Evidence and Answers. A recent best-selling book teaches that everyone, no matter what they believe, will enter heaven. Is the road to heaven wide or narrow? What did Jesus teach about heaven and how to get there? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with your host, Dr. Pat Zucrin. Pat is a scholar, author, speaker, and teacher specializing in apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. This show and other resources are available on his website at evidenceandanswers.org. We invite you to go there for valuable tools that will equip you to engage your world for Christ. Now let's join Pat as he reveals what Jesus taught about heaven and how to get there. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're going to be going through the first six verses there. All right, as we begin, let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would teach us the marvelous but challenging truth from your word this morning. Quicken our hearts and minds to understand, comprehend, and apply it to our lives this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the church has taught for centuries that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And those without Christ will be eternally separated from him in a place the Bible calls hell. Well, has the church been wrong all these years in its teaching on salvation? Is it true instead that all people will enter heaven no matter what they believe? In a best-selling new book by megachurch pastor Rob Bell, he believes that the church has been mistaken And we have been preaching a false and dangerous message for centuries. You know, when this book first came out and became a bestseller, people told me, Pat, you got to do a radio show on it. You got to write on this. You got to write a review on this. And I thought, no, just same old, same old again. However, once he made the cover of Time magazine and the article said, this is the changing face, the new face of evangelical Christianity. Suddenly I woke up and I realized I've got to write a review on this and, and we've got to do a show on it and it's coming up very soon. But is it true that the church has been mistaken for centuries? Rob Bell writes this in his new book, Love Wins. In fact, I've been hearing about this book on not only Christian talk radio being promoted positively, but also on conservative talk radio. Christians are raving about this book. In fact, just a couple of days ago at Kahala Mall, I was talking to a Christian and he said, Christians don't understand the gospel. Christians don't understand what the gospel is. I said, is that right? He said, yeah. And I said, well, where'd you get your ideas from? Rob Bell, Love Wins. Well, here's what he states in the preface. A staggering number of people have been taught that a select few Christians will spend forever in a peaceful, joyous place called heaven, while the rest of humanity spends forever in torment and punishment in hell with no chance for anything better. It's been clearly communicated to many that this belief is a central truth of the Christian faith. And to reject it is, in essence, to reject Jesus. This is misguided, toxic, and ultimately subverts the contagious spread of Jesus' message of love, peace, forgiveness, and joy that our world desperately needs to hear. Well, is it true that all people, regardless of their beliefs or religion, will enter into heaven? Did Jesus teach there were other ways to eternal life besides him? Is the message that Jesus is the only way to eternal life a dangerous and false message of the church? Well, the belief that all religions are equally valid and true is called pluralism. The idea 
that everyone, regardless of what you believe, will enter into some kind of heaven or be saved eventually is called universalism. And the teachings of pluralism and universalism represents one of the greatest challenges the evangelical church faces today. Well, are all religions equally valid and true? Do all roads lead to heaven? We spent a significant time this morning teaching on this, but let's see specifically a particular passage here, what Jesus taught regarding salvation. And one of the clearest passages is found in John 14, verses 1 through 6. Now, allow me to set up the context of this passage here. In chapter 13, Jesus just delivers a very discouraging and disheartening news to his disciples. He announces that soon he will be leaving. He informs them that he soon will meet his death and it will be at the hands of one of them who will betray him and turn him over. And in fact, Peter, their leader, will deny him three times. And in verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered to him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Jesus' disciples had just heard some horrible news. He's going to die. He's going to be betrayed by one of them. Peter would deny him. These men had left everything, their professions, their family, left everything to follow Jesus. And now they've just learned he's going to be leaving. This must have just been completely shattering to their spirits. Now to encourage their discouraged spirits, Jesus gives them these words. He says, In verse 1 of chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus gives a command. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Okay, the Greek word there is tarasesto. It means to stir up, to trouble to be disturbed with various emotions such as fear and trepidation. A New Testament scholar, Borchet, translates it this way, do not let your hearts be overcome with turmoil or don't allow yourself to be intimidated by the situation. Jesus says instead of worry, instead of fear, he says believe in me. Trust in me. This is the exhortation that he gives. And the Greek word for believe there is pistuete. It's used twice. So Jesus is emphasizing here. It's better translated trust. So some of your translations read trust in God, trust also in me. That's probably a better translation here. And in their time of trials, in facing an unknown and foreboding future, God commands them, to trust in him and his word. And God calls all his people to affirm trust in him, his character, and his word. And in our worst times, facing a dark and foreboding future, whatever it may be for each one of you, trust in God is what calms our fears and brings us peace, even in the worst of times. And Jesus tells them here, Here's what you must trust in now more than ever. He says, in my father's house are many rooms and I go there to prepare a place for you. And these words of Jesus were meant to eliminate fear because our eternal destiny 
is certain. In fact, Jesus says, I've been preparing a place for you. From eternity past, I've been preparing a place. Death should not terrify any believer, for Jesus has already conquered sin and death and is preparing a place for us. He says here, in my Father's house are many rooms. Now, some of your translations may read that there are many mansions. Well, the Greek word there is monai, and it's often translated mansions. In several of your translations, it might be translated, there are many mansions. However, monai does not mean a castle-like kind of home. The word literally means a dwelling or abiding place. So if the monai are in God's house, then the New International Version, the English Standard Version, translates it, in my father's house are many rooms. This would be closer to the meaning of the text. So the messages you hear about guys going to heaven and one guy getting a big mansion on a hill and a guy getting a small little shack and all that, they aren't necessarily accurate. Speaking of that, did you hear the story of the preacher and the cab driver who died and went to heaven? Doesn't look like he did, so let me tell you. Preacher and cab driver died and went to heaven. And Peter came and picked them up in the heavenly limousine and toured them around the place. And they saw all these big mansions and everything. And the preacher said, Peter, you know, I'm glad to be here. Could you tell me where my heavenly mansion is? And Peter pointed and said, oh, you got that little shack over there down at the bottom of the hill. And the preacher looked at it, nice little shack, you know, one bedroom, full kitchen, whatever. And Peter said, well, that's, that's great, great. And I'm just glad to be here. And he said, well, what about the cab driver? And he said, oh, the cab driver's got the big one on top of the hill over there. Huge, huge mansion up there. And so the preacher looked, and he saw the guy had a huge, huge mansion over there, swimming pool and everything. The preacher looked at Peter and he said, Peter, how come the cab driver gets the huge mansion? I get the tiny little shack. I've been preaching the gospel all my life. How come that guy gets the huge mansion and I get the little shack? And Peter looked at the preacher and he said, well, because every time you preached, everybody fell asleep. But when this cab driver drove people, everybody prayed for their lives. The more people prayed to Jesus with him than you. Hmm. So Jesus says, there's a room that awaits for us in our future heavenly home. You know, a few years ago, I was invited to a Bible college in Hungary, in Eastern Europe, to teach. Now, being from Hawaii, I wasn't too thrilled about going to Hungary to teach. And so I was kind of resistant to the idea. But the director of the Bible college called me and he told me the background of the college. He says, Pat, Bible college is on the campus of a 400-year-old castle there in Eastern Europe. This is our campus. And our castle is known for its beautiful staircase and majestic interior. So you got to come and see this. You know, when the communist empire ruled Eastern Europe, these castles were used to indoctrinate young men and women in atheistic socialism. Well, when the Russian Empire fell, the Russians sold these castles for cheap, I mean, under half a million. And the Word of Life Ministries was able to purchase this castle, and now they use it as a Bible camp to win kids to Christ, and they use it as a beautiful Bible college to train young men and women in Eastern Europe for full-time service in the gospel and the director ended the phone call by saying this he said pat it's a beautiful castle and we got a room for you all our speakers stay in the grand suite 
That's where all our speakers get to stay, and that's where you're going to get to stay. So I said, oh, well, if that's the case, then sign me up. Right? So for about three months, I could hardly wait to see this wonderful castle and the room that I would stay in. So I caught the flight there to Hungary. And as many of you know, Eastern Europe, it's kind of a melancholy place. Romania has about 60% unemployment. Uh, Hungary has about 50%, along with the other Eastern European countries there. Plus, it's dark and cold when I went. And so the people are quite melancholy, really tough times out there. Well, I got picked up at the airport, and they drove me two hours through the countryside of Hungary. And then we came to this little town, cute little town, European town, and then we drove up right to this big, black, iron, majestic gate. And then the gate swung open, and we drove down this beautiful driveway lined with majestic trees, and there... I saw the castle with its grand silver roof shining in the sunlight. And wow, what a sight it was. The car pulled right up to the front door. And I walked in the huge wooded doorways. And there, right in front of me, was that majestic staircase, kind that you see in the movies, going up both sides. And on the right side, he said, Pat, you go up the right side, and your room is at the top of those stairs. And I was like, oh, wow, I got, I got in the main chamber. So I went up the stairs and got to my room. And sure enough, what a room it was, a 400-year-old room, a classic stone walls with a grand old desk, a huge mirror uh, with a beautiful chandelier. Just a wonderful, wonderful room. And on that first night there, I nearly froze to death because there's no heater in there because these walls are pure stone. You know, so you can't just drill a, you know, drill a pipe right through the stone or a wire or anything. You know, you don't want to put these ugly wires on the outside. So there's no heater up there. So I can see why these princes and kings, you know, dress the way they did. But anyway, beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous room. Now, if that castle was that beautiful, imagine the room in heaven that awaits each one of us in our Father's house. What a sight that must be. One that Jesus said he's been preparing from eternity past. And the life lesson we learn is this, that our true home is not here. Understand, as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, that this is not our home. He says here, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself that our true citizenship is with our heavenly father we have a room in that eternal mansion waiting for each one of us jesus tells us of the place we'll one day be and secondly jesus presents a wonderful promise to us he says i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and i will take you to myself that where i am there you may also be. Now, there are several interpretations on what Jesus meant when he said, I will come and take you to myself. I believe the best interpretation is one that refers to the second coming of Christ, referred to in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when he comes to the church. Several good New Testament theologians 
D.A. Carson and Leon Morris take this interpretation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about the return of Christ when he takes his church out of the world. And he says here, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Any moment now, perhaps now, perhaps a thousand years from now, we don't know. Christ will again return for his church in a monumental event called the rapture when we are taken away and there will be with the Lord forever. Jesus made this possible through his death and resurrection and he says, I'm preparing a place and one day I will return to take you there. If he's gone through all the trouble of coming to the earth and dying on the cross for our sins, all the more we can be assured he is going to return for us someday. This is the promise he gave to his disciples, which John recorded in chapter 14. Years later, Jesus showed John a vision of what the heavenly dwelling would one day look like. And in Revelation chapter 21, John gives a very brief but telling description of the heavenly home. And he's trying to describe it as best as he can in the vocabulary that he has and as inaccurate as he is he tries to just give the best description and he writes here in chapter 21 he says he showed me the holy city of jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god having the glory of god its radiance like a most rare jewel like a jasper clear as crystal can you imagine a city shining like a jewel radiating with the glory of god you know, Seattle, they call it the Emerald City. You know, when I got there, I didn't know why. Because it's so dark and dreary. You know, I said, what, what, what emerald is this? You know, but one day the sun came out and I understood why they called it the Emerald City. Wow, it is gorgeous when the sun shines on the deep green, the pine trees on the grass, the, the way the grass and the trees shine that emerald green and... In the sunlight, it's something else. Imagine when the glory of God shines upon the heavenly city like this. At the gates were 12 angels, and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. On the west, three gates. And the wall had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the apostles. It says, the city lies four square its length, the same as its width, 1,200 stadia. He says, the wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. Remember that Nicolas Cage movie when they found the golden city, right? How beautiful it was. Well, just imagine this one. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite. Here is a beautiful, majestic city that John is somehow trying to describe here in vocabulary the best that he can. And Jesus says, this is where your heavenly dwelling will be. And I, from eternity past, have been preparing a place for you. And one day I will return and I will bring you there. That's a promise that he makes for each one of us. You know, several years ago, I was going into a country where Christians are still persecuted and where religious freedom is not allowed. 
So I needed to be careful where and I went, and I took all the precautionary measures. Well, my contact, Katie, we met in Dallas, and she promised me before I left, she said, I'll make sure we're ready for you, and I'll be there at the airport and take you myself to the training center. And I said, Katie, you better be there, because my life is in your hands. Well, I arrived at my first stop as I traversed the ocean, but the plane, my connecting plane, was delayed for an hour, then another, then another. And with each hour that passed, I got more and more anxious because I didn't think Katie would be there at the airport to meet me. And besides, the number of the plane flight kept changing. So she didn't have a clue what airlines I would be on or what the number of the flight would be. Not knowing the language of the country, where in the world would I go? You know, when I get there and I get out of the gate, there's no one there to meet. What am I, where am I going to go? Where are the hotels? I'd never been to that city before I didn't know my way around, how would I communicate? Of course, my cell phone did not work, so I had no way to reach her. I used my calling card to try and call the U.S., and hopefully someone at headquarters there would contact her, but the operator on the line couldn't understand a lick of English, and so I was stuck. Well, eight hours later, my plane finally took off from my intended city, and at baggage claim, I was deeply deeply troubled and tense, wondering what in the world am I going to do? And as I was walking to the baggage claim, I could hardly read the signs on the wall. A lot of places got the English underneath the native language, but there was none of that. How would I ever find a hotel? How would I ever meet my contact? Well, uh, got my bags and headed for the exit. And as I slowly marched out the door, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. But what I was going to do is try to walk down the street, look for the nearest hotel. Hopefully it's not some bar or massage parlor or something. And uh, check in there for a day or two. If Katie didn't show up, then I'd get on the plane and I'd just go home. Call it a day. Well, as I began to walk out of the exit and the heads began to go to the right, I looked straight ahead and there was one of the greatest sights I'd ever seen. Katie was sitting there on a bench waiting for me. She had waited all those hours for me to arrive. And man, I was so relieved to see her. And after apologizing for the delay, I, I told her, if you weren't here, what I was planning to do. And we kind of had a good laugh. And she smiled at me and said, hey, I told you, don't worry. I said I'd be here to meet you and take you to your destination. She said, I told you I'd be here. I got you covered. That's what Jesus has promised us, that one day he's going to come for us, no matter how rough the ride may be here. No matter how many obstacles we may run into, when he makes a promise, you can count on it. And the life application we learn here is this. God's faithfulness and his word and his character are the foundation for peace and rest and joy in this life and on into eternity. The foundation of our peace and relief from Trouble and anxiety doesn't rest on our ability or what we can do. It rests on the character and the word of God. And the further we depart from that, the more anxious and anxiety-ridden we become. Jesus tells us of the place. He reminds us of his promise that one day he is coming to take us there. And third, he provides the path to get there. Jesus says, and you know where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know 
where you are going, how can we know the way? Aren't you glad that guy asked that question? Man, I, I love Thomas. That's why the uh, uh, next book coming out is, is built on the Thomas's words here. But I love this guy because if he didn't ask that, we wouldn't have got these great words from Jesus. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes it clear the way to heaven is through him and him alone. Jesus is not one of many ways you can pick. Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus is the way because he says, I am the truth. Hey, Jesus is the truth because he embodies the supreme revelation and the nature of God. Well, once again, we're out of time, but we'll pick it up right here next week as Pat concludes his teaching on the road to heaven. Thank you for joining us today on Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zucharin. This show and other valuable resources are available at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat and his ministry is supported by your donations. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider partnering with Pat and supporting his work with a generous donation at evidenceandanswers.org? We want to thank you for listening and hope you'll join us again next week for more of Evidence and Answers.